And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. This is my infit. It's not an outfit because I'm not going out. It's an infit. If you don't like it, you could leave. Love you. Good morning, sweet world, and welcome to the No Dunks Podcast on the Athletic Network. It's Monday, May 15th. 2023. I'm J.E. Skeets here on the Classic Factory, and alongside me, as always, Tess Mellis. Podcast listeners, this is for you. Next to him, it's the bearded one, my top shot hot boy, Trey Kirby. Ayo. Ayo. And last but not least, over yonder, making the magic happen, super producer, J.D. Hello. There he is, and here we are. Shout out to the stream team joining us live right now on YouTube. Like the vid, comment away, subscribe to No Dunks. We absolutely smashed through the 70,000 submark over the weekend. So thanks to everybody, to all our new subscribers, to everyone that has subscribed. We really appreciate it. We are on our way to 100K and a shiny plaque that'll hang over one of our shoulders. Who will get it in their frame? We'll suspend it from the seat. Oh, right in the middle. <laughs> right in the middle. <laughs> I don't mind that idea. Uh, go get your No Dunks merch. Over at nodunks.com. Lots of great designs up there. Got a new Is This Good podcast with comedian and writer CJ Toledano uh, joining Matty O and JD on ITG, which has its own YouTube feed, its own podcast feed. And uh, wow, apparently a new graphic. Yeah. Is having a work wife cheating? I guess that's the main <laughs> cue from Is This Good. Can't wait to dig into that. So go check that out. And hey, tomorrow night, join us on Playback. For an NBA draft lottery watch party. We're going to get started around 7.45 p.m. Eastern. And then, uh, you know, a little after 8, we start finding out the results from Tatum. <laughs> Not Jason. The other one. <laughs> His dad. <laughs> Not a lot of people know that. <laughs> the original clutch Tatum. Mark. Uh, I like how we're starting early. Like the draft lottery doesn't take long enough. <laughs> we got to start. We yeah. complain about it every year. Let's start early. 45 uh, minutes for... 14 <laughs> pieces of cardboard to be revealed. Yeah, yeah. A quick spin here on the old tankathon. San Antonio getting the number one oh, pick. Oh, wow, wow, wow. They did it. Who's mm. getting Wemby? We find out tomorrow night again on playback. That link is in the show notes already. I already put it there. So go click on that and uh, join No Dunks on playback. Uh, on today's action packed show, we are going to preview and predict the Western Conference Finals which starts tomorrow night after that draft lottery. We're going to talk about the Suns firing head coach Bonnie Williams. And because NBA dumb boy is trending in America right now, we got to get into the Grizzlies suspending John Morant. Yeah, that happened uh, once again. But we have Game 7 to dissect. Jason Tatum sets the Game 7 record with 51 points. Hmm. Curry's 50 didn't last long. What, two weeks till the day as the Celtics beat the 76ers 112-88. to in Game 7 on Sunday afternoon. It's like a tradition like no other. Get excited for the Philadelphia 76ers. I added an extra like in there. I didn't I didn't need to do that. Anyways, it's a tradition like no other, is what I wanted to say. Mm. The Philadelphia 76ers' expectations are high. No, they don't meet them. Second round. Goodbye. Again. One more time. Three years in a row. I'm sure you've got the timeline, Skeets of them getting bounced over and over and over again and just absolutely falling apart in that third quarter. There's really not a lot to say about that other than it happened again. Do you want a close ending or do you want to blow it like this if you're a Sixers fan? Close That's, ending. You don't want this your is team embarrassing. to look like they did. Yeah. This is quite embarrassing. Um, I guess they lost it in game six, though, is what it really right. comes down to. Because they sure felt like, looked like that in that third quarter where they were punished punished over and over and over again that 33 to 5 run where mb didn't want to do it uh and harden didn't have it and there you go <laughs> it, 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 it was it was both those guys there isn't really one finger to point 
Uh, it was everybody on that team. And Tatum played a big part in this too. I mean, 51. He had 25 in the first half after a bunch of games where he couldn't score in the first quarter, and then 17 in that third quarter where they run away and just absolutely hammered the Sixers with the crowd going bonkers and the Sixers with each growing possession looking more and more like, oh my God, we've lost another Game 7. This is the third time in five seasons now. Uh, all in differing fashions, right? The the Kawhi, bounce, 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 bounce. Did I have enough bounces there? Did I say four times? Where that drops and they lose Game 7 in Toronto in 2019. Then we have the infamous Ben Simmons won't dunk it in 2021. Near the end of that game at the Hawks, they lose that one. And then this one where they just get waxed in the second half uh, with Tatum going for 51, like I said. 17 of 28 shooting. And then uh, Jalen Brown hitting timely shots there, too, in the third quarter. They just It was an onslaught. Yeah, definitely it feels like the story of the game is Philly imploding once again, uh, as we've seen time and time again, like you're saying. But it's kind of overshadowing the fact that Jason Tatum completely stepped up the way you're supposed to yeah. when you're a superstar. The guy didn't make a shot in the first quarter of the previous three games. He went 0 for 5 in games 4, 5, and 6 in the first quarter, had 11 in the first quarter of this one. He just understood the assignment. That third quarter, this was a close game, 55-52 for the Celtics. Yeah. But Tatum came out and went at Joel Embiid every single time. And we've talked a few times so far in the playoffs that it's hard to go back to the same play. You just get bored doing it. But... It didn't look like he was getting bored. I think there was like maybe one possession where Jalen Brown got a turn, but it just was going back to Tatum. He would pull and beat into some sort of pick and roll. The Sixers tried a lot of different things, hedging, switching, drop. It didn't matter because Tatum was in such a good rhythm after the first half, and he just kept pouring points on to the point where they cut to Doc Rivers on the sideline. The guy who you think is probably going to maybe pull some sort of a move here, head in his hands yeah. like he just got left home alone. For Christmas vacation. So a bummer for the the Sixers, kind of expected uh, the way it went down. But uh, I think it should be as memorable how well Tatum played as Philadelphia completely blowing it here. That's a record, 51, as we said. But the Sixers were setting their own records with 10 points in that third quarter. Mm -hmm. uh, tied for the fewest points in a playoff quarter for them in, a, in the shot clock era. That's Tatum fr Frankly, that's hard to do. Tatum outscored the Sixers. And all of the rest of the Celtics also outscored the Sixers. Yeah. Other than that, though, they were looking good. But, I mean, it would have helped if, like, Embiid put his feet into the painted area yeah. once in the second half. Or if he sprinted. Or if he did literally anything. I think he had, what, 13 points in the first half? Two in the second half. Uh, one for six in the third quarter. One assist. Two turnovers. He did touch the paint a couple of times. I was kind of exaggerating, but when he did, Marcus Smart just stole the ball from him. Embiid had nothing in this game. He was completely a cone on defense for Tatum. So yeah, Harden, I feel like, is getting dragged the most for this game because we've seen this for 10 straight seasons from Harden, basically. But I was much more disappointed with the way Embiid played. The guy's supposed to be an MVP. He's the MVP. Yeah, so that's yeah. that's why it's shocking that third quarter. It is 55-55 here. It's not. It was close. It's not a runaway there was game. A game. And uh, to, to start that run, Embiid was facing up Al Horford, and and he just decided to not go in the lane. The Celtics were showing bodies, and the Robert Williams move to, to bring him to the starting lineup did add some extra bodies into the paint. That was clear, and they were doing the hey, we're 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 focusing on Embiid. We'll, we'll, We're leaving we'll, we'll PJ Tucker down. open yeah, in the corner. That's and what Robert Williams through. was done. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. but PJ Tucker did all he could. He had 11 points in this first quarter. I know he missed shots later, but he did have 11 points in the first quarter. He had a ripped jersey. He was working hard. Tobias Harris led the team in freaking scoring and fought through an injury in that first quarter and stayed on the floor. But that third quarter, after you come out of the locker room and it's 55 55, you know the Celtics are with their home crowd are going to have you know the momentum on their side it was strange to see Embiid face up Hal Horford there and not try and go through him whatsoever and then possession by possession by possession get further and further away from the bucket yeah. and get to that three-point line and yeah so James Harden I guess because he has the reputation um is getting dragged more uh, there's no doubt he he had a couple great games in this series games one and game four 87 points combined and then in the other five games 67 points combined Oh, that I mean, that's also must be hard to do uh, to to go from those highs to those lows, and was un unable to get around anybody. But it it was odd to see Embiid just not try and truck somebody at the very least mm -hmm. in that third quarter when things were going awry. He was letting Horford block his shot, who who bodied him really well. But yeah, 
they, they deserve all the all the pejoratives coming their way, right? I mean, how can, of course how they, can they not? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Trey said it. The stars on the Celtics stood uh, uh, stood up in Game Seven. They played incredibly. Both of them, I would say. I mean, Jalen Brown gets overlooked because the guy went for 51. I thought he had an off game. He's hitting the floor. Obviously, the game sort of turned when uh, Harden got the the flagrant there, totally. when he lost the ball and then connected on Jalen Brown. That's when things sort of started to get away from the Sixers, had a nice lead. There's the whole George Niang thing where he's grabbing his <laughs> leg on the sidelines. Uh, they both got That's a tech out of that one. Uh, very weird. But, yeah, it comes down to Embiid and Harden. These two guys, apparently the Harden-Embiid pick-and-roll was the most effective play in the regular season in 2022-23 here. And... Harden leads the league in assists, and B leads the league in scoring. He's the MVP, and these guys both shit the bed here. Uh, down the stretch of Game 6, and then here in Game 7. I mean, 5 of 18 from your MVPs. It's not going to cut it. I mean, in the other Game 7s, when you go look, back in 19, like I said, Marcus All did a good job on him, but he's still... He was incredible in that game, and the whole storyline from that one was like, oh, when Embiid was out, that's when the Raptors pulled away enough. You know, 2021, he had 31 points, double-digit rebounds, you know, got to the line, all that. Uh, and it was the Ben Simmons issue of it all. This one's, it's him. It's him. Maybe we learn here in the next 24 hours, man, that knee really was messed up and he gave it his all. I don't know. He played well when he came back from the knee injury. He had 30-point games. So what happened in Game 7 here is a little perplexing. And then Harden, I mean, this is unfortunately the same old story. We need to retroactively take him off the uh, All-NBA Playoff 13, <laughs> oh, man. man. I, I couldn't believe We it. have to. Uh, I know he had two great <laughs> games, but he's off. And, you know, put a Reeves in, put a Russell in, whoever else you want to put in. Put a Laker in. Anyone you want, because he can't be there. (laughs) 3 of 24 from deep in the four losses Harden was. Yeah, he won him two games. Uh, This isn't even a seven-game series if it's not for Harden. The only thing that would have made it a true James Harden classic is having more turnovers than assists. But P.J. Tucker made a few early on in this game, which kind of saved Harden. But... I don't know. I look forward to getting suckered into it again. <laughs> At some point again next year, I'm sure it'll show up in great shape. Well, what's next? Happens for, every year. Every year. Oh, well, yeah. What, what's next then here for the Sixers? What do they do? Harden is a big piece. He's got a player option. He can decline. He can become a free agent. Um, because of the over 38 rule, Philly can offer him more money. I think it's an extra $8 million than any other team uh, over the course of a four-year deal. They have a lot of free agents. I mean, what do they do? What do you do with Harden, and what do you do with Doc Rivers? Is he going to be here for the long run? Yeah, Embiid was is very aware of James Harden's contract situation. He was asked about it post game, and that quote that everybody is killing Embiid for, where he said, "Me and James need help." Essentially, that was taken out of context. Mm-hmm. At the beginning of that quote, he was asked about James Harden. What is the situation with him? What happened? And he basically said stuff like, "He signed for another year." I, I do think that we could win together uh and then he goes on and on and on and on. he said you know me and james need help we need everybody to perform and and people like damian lillard taking that that one little con- quote out of context where it seems like he's delusional he doesn't want to face reality when his other guys led the team in scoring and it wasn't james harden and joel Embiid. Yeah. uh I, I will say before even harden i, I think doc is gone 100 percent. i don't think you can skirt around that whatsoever and if mb and if harden uh, wants to go to Houston, I could see that happening as well. Uh, so I think we're going to see a Maxi and Embiid show most likely next year. And you just rely more on Tyrese Maxi, who yeah, didn't have an excellent game, but could propel himself a little bit more and step into that role mm-hmm. a little bit more. Why the heck not? This ain't working. Why Why would you stick with the same thing? It works in the regular season. That's the thing. They're 56 and 26. A lot. And 26 Every year in the regular in the season. Yeah, I know, but it doesn't in the playoffs. Uh, Doc Rivers, what's your take on on him being the Sixers coach next year? He gone. Yeah. Uh, I think the last three seasons have ended pretty disappointingly uh, for Philadelphia. And as we've seen, there's a lot of big-name coaches available right now. So I think that probably factors into it as well. I just went through Jimmy Butler's Instagram stories. Not yet a mention of Joel Embiid, but I eagerly anticipate hearing him mention something during the Eastern Conference Finals. But I think Doc is going to be the first domino uh, to fall for Philadelphia just because uh, it's easier to change the coach than it is the players, despite the fact that the coach and players keep failing in the same exact way time and time again. It would be great for Philadelphia if they could find a way to uh, 
sign and trade James Harden so they can get some picks back because this ain't going to be easy for them to actually improve their team. Mm-hmm. Their 2023 first rounder is going to Utah. 2025 is traded to OKC, top five protected. 2027 is a first to Brooklyn, top eight protected. So they can't do anything with picks until 2029, basically. Tobias Harris has a year left on his deal. P.J. Tucker has a year and a player option left. I don't know if those guys are drawing interest from other teams, but... I don't think you can come back with the same starting lineup and the same general feel of a team and not feel like you're taking a step back. Yeah, Harden, one of eight 76ers who can become free agents uh, this July. I'm with you guys. We're going to get to Monty Williams being fired by the Suns. Obviously, Budenholzer moving off at the Bucks. Nurse with the Raptors. Like These coaches, uh, in some cases, winning titles, for crying out loud, with those squads not that long ago, or going to finals. And here's Doc, can't even get to the conference finals with this team. Like, how? How could you possibly, with that, like, that sort of just, that history of failure in Game 7s that Doc has, and that record when they're even up in series... You just can't have that, I don't think, going forward. I think, you know, he is a decent coach. He's proven that he's a great regular season coach, no doubt. Just can't get over this hump, at least with this squad, um, that they'll have to go take a look at another big name, like you said. Notable names out there. Yeah, uh, which is, uh, you would expect will come in, you know, coming days here, if not sooner. (laughs) Probably as soon as we uh, log off live here, we'll find out that Doc Rivers is no longer the coach. Uh, Any other thoughts, though, on this (laughs) game? We'll save our Heat Celtics... Eastern Conference preview until tomorrow's show because there's no games on tonight. Uh, but anything else from this game? What do you What do you think of the George Niang incident, uh, where he's grabbing at Jalen Brown? There, weird. Very weird. Because it was a half-hearted grab. Uh, yeah, he touched his knee and he sort of fell. He and almost got him in the Jalen's first. Yeah, almost did. grabbed his Jalen's. Yeah, he should have been tossed. You can't grab a guy from yeah. the bench. No. It's incredible that yeah, he's not was, an important player to the team. They could have done without Niang. I was like, going to say a perfect it, toss opportunity. It almost worked out for this. Well, it did in a weird way if you think about it. Like Jalen Brown got a tech two in that play yeah. because you know he's pissed. He's turned around. He's talking shit. Like, like that's a win for Niang and the Sixers. Scotty was ready that they both got it. You know, it didn't yeah, pick it up a, a second one. one, but that's a weird one. I would turn around too if I was somebody grabbed me from the bench. It's, mm-hmm. I think it was a tough tech on, on Jalen Brown. Uh, either way. Um, a very weird scenario. Also weird seeing those big red boots in the wild. Did you see them yeah, sitting front court? Yep. <laughs> seeing them right out front. The Astro Boy boots, they're prominent. Yep. Uh, the Can't red, take your eyes the red, off them. the red stands out. Still ugly. Uh, you that... can get them for a better price now. Around All Star oh. Weekend, you're paying a thousand dollars. Only like three hundred now. Oh. Yeah. That's I guess... why you're probably seeing them now. <laughs> mm, I guess people didn't want them. Well, no, I mean, well. the trend is over. It was yeah. That was two months ago. We moved on to the next thing. Uh, but, man, that, that was weird. George Niang grabbing his leg. Um, are they allowed to rescind a technical that somebody shouldn't have gotten? I don't think so. I think once Scott Foster calls it, boop, on Jalen, because he obviously didn't see what happened with Niang grabbing his leg, gives him the tech, called it a taunting tech once yeah, he eventually right. went to the review. But I wonder if there's something like a, like toothpaste. You can't put it back in a tube. Once you call a tech... <laughs> Can you take it back? Because that one should have been taken back. I think so. I think you should be able to. I think they can if they really want to. Scott Denver wants to give his back. <laughs> no <laughs> chance. No chance. No, we're handing these out. Uh, by the way, Tatum, just to finish his line, to go with the 51 points, like a, a record in Game 7, 13 boards, 5 assists, and he became the fifth player in NBA history with at least a 50-10-5 in a playoff game. The fifth guy in NBA history. Tatum just went and did this. After, again, struggling in this series. I mean, people were like debating Tatum four days ago about, oh, is he one of the best players in the game? Oh, really? Is he all NBA level? It's like, well, yes, it turns out he is. Not only did he turn it on at the end of game six, he just was lights out in this, you know, finishing inside. Had, what, once he has that little step back left going, jumper or three, oh, it is. It's dangerous. He yep. had the spin, the Tatum tornado. Enjoy basketball, called it inside. He had everything going and then everyone was coming along and holy crap was that crowd going nuts i think it was uh was it jared vice of the athletic pointing out on twitter i saw like his phone or his watch was telling him you might need to get out of this environment because it could hurt your ears like the decibels were that loud and i'm not i don't think he was kidding there was other people saying yeah my phone was my watch was doing that as well um 
but he's got those AirPods that like the noise canceling said lifesaver. Smart. But that place with like Nora, I'm watching the game and, and she's sort of half assed watching it. Obviously she's on her phone. She's like, This place is crazy loud, right? I'm like, Yeah, this is this is one of the best crowds, no doubt, in the Absolutely NBA, especially when they got it going. Uh, anything else, though, guys? Yeah, a few more things. Saw Ben Simmons was enjoying the downfall of the 76ers, <laughs> yeah, yes notably at home on his couch. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know. Was that a win for Ben Simmons to post that? I don't know. I don't Weird stuff, so. but he seemed to get some, uh, have a minor viral moment. My yeah. other question for you would be, you think this means the process is a failure? They haven't made the conference finals after throwing away two, three seasons, basically. Uh, you know? They wanted to become a championship contender. They're not a championship contender. They're a good regular season team. Yeah. But since Joel Embiid has been a playoff guy, five series wins, six losses, 0-4 in series against 50 win teams. Yeah, I think at this point it's a failure. you got to get a conference final at the very you got to be least. one of the four final teams standing to be yeah. a contender. There are going to be changes. I don't see how you go forward with, with Harden a year older as your second guy who's going to be making 30 mil next year. Yeah, they have to switch. I would call this a failure. Not a step to success? You like Embiid bringing that up in post-game, laughing about it? <laughs> no. I don't. Guys, the Sacramento... He hasn't won, the, the, like Giannis Tetacupo. The Sacramento Kings have made the conference finals in, this, in the same amount of time that the Sixers haven't. They made it in 2 The Sacramento Kings. Sixers haven't been there since 01. So, yeah, this is absolutely a failure. I mean, they have an MVP... They have a guy that led the league. They have an MVP, though. Yeah, yeah. They do have an MVP. That was the yeah. point, right? Was like to try and get good players. Look at look at this playoffs right here. The Bucks go out. I mean, the opening is there to go to the to a conference finals, let alone the finals to maybe win the whole thing. You know, they're up in this series. Harden has done his part. You know, you said in winning game one there, in winning another one. It is. It's they have to close out in game six. Tass was right in the end. Like that was it, and they didn't. And it was going back to Boston. And they hung around for a half. I'll give them credit, man. That was a really entertaining first half. Like, the leads going back and forth. Tucker contributing. And be doing his part at least early. His whole thing is that guy just seems to tire and then mentally check out when the when the uh, going gets tough. Uh, but, yeah, it's a failure. Oh, my God. Not even making it to the final four? Not and even making it particular? to the final four. And you're getting – it feels like they keep running into the Celtics and getting beaten by the Celtics. They could have had Jason Tatum. Yeah, well, there's that right, too. like yeah, yeah. this is the worst possible way to go yeah. out yeah. if you're a Sixers fan because you're watching the guy who could have been on your team. Ooh. Brian Colangelo Just doesn't regret the pick, though. Doesn't regret the move. Well, yeah, he's a millionaire and he doesn't have to work anymore. He got <laughs> fired for this. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, I would think that he would look at the players involved and say maybe we shouldn't have drafted for need with a point guard. Just drafted the best player, Jason Tatum. Anyway, maybe, I think he thought he was getting the best player. I guess if that's Trade what you're picking, yeah. But he also had he had wing he had wings, so I, I can't understand the thinking. Anyway, that was a bad pick. Uh, they made some bad picks, <laughs> and here they are. <laughs> we'll see what happens next with Doc Rivers, Harden, uh, a lot of this roster, like we talked about. And uh, I just keep waiting for Trey Kirby's uh, prediction to uh, come true here, too. Where Joel and it is so obvious. Get me out of here. Nobody needs. Heat culture more than Joel Embiid. Mm. He should be a number two guy, and the number one guy should be a total jerk. And they got a total jerk down in Miami who <laughs> loves being the number one guy, <laughs> who is best friends with Joel Embiid. We will see. We will see. Let's take our first break. Lots more, like I said, still to get to on the show. Don't go anywhere. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. The Lakers and Nuggets are back in the Western Conference Finals. 
Bubble 2.0. Here we go with the Heat and Celtics as well. The Lakers punched their ticket to the third round by taking down the defending champion Warriors in six games. The Nuggets advanced in pretty dominant fashion, blowing out the Suns on their home court in game six, uh, so much so that they had to fire their head coach. All four regular season matchups between the Lakers and Nuggets, they occurred before the NBA trade deadline. Before the Lakers revamped like half their roster. Those games are useless. <laughs> Throw them out! But everybody very excited for this. We got the schedule here. It gets underway on Tuesday night in Denver. They haven't lost at home in the playoffs. The Lakers haven't lost at home in the playoffs. So here we go. Wow. The 1-7 matchup. Um... Let's break it down. Tass, what's one thing you're watching here for the Nuggets-Lakers? Well, let's start with the biggest net matchup. Nikola Jokic versus Anthony Davis. That's pretty freaking exciting. Uh, Jokic going up against AD, who has been a beast defensively throughout the postseason. I think in part he's been a beast because he hasn't had a guy to guard all series long. It's just been a little bit light with Draymond Green, Kevin Looney. Uh, and, and then, you know, the bigs uh, of the Grizzlies a little bit different where Braun could help out. This time he's got to guard Nikola Jokic all day, all night. Uh, that's going to be tough. Let's see if he can slow him down uh, a little bit. Um, Jokic has been phenomenal. He's gotten better since the regular season. He is. Uh, I, I couldn't believe how much more he's shooting than the regular season. 21 shots per game when he was doing like 14 uh, in the regular season. So Anthony Davis can't go out and roam. Braun's going to have his hands full. Uh, I guess the best thing to do for Jok- to, to Jokic is to try and make him work on the defensive end if AD can be a beast on the offensive end. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the fact is, the cutters are going to be flying around uh, for for Jokic. They've had the best offense this postseason, uh, and AD has led the best defense. Um, but I don't know if that can keep up against this Nuggets team that is absolutely just rolling right now. Uh, so I can't. I just like let's just start there. I just can't wait to watch that matchup to see what AD can do to slow the best player in this postseason: thirty point seven points, twelve point eight rebounds, and nine point seven assists. Those are special numbers right there. Yeah, the and, and you're right about AD, who's been incredible around the rim, deterring shots and blocking shots and stuff like that. He is not going to be able to do any sort of, like, you know, drop back deep coverage versus Jokic, because Jokic will fire away from three. Um, shooting the ball pretty damn well here in the postseason. He's had games in that last series, you know, two for four, two for three in games four and five. Uh, and uh, back in the first round, I mean, he had a five for eight game. Like, he'll let it fly. Like, Jokic will shoot seven to ten threes if you leave him wide open. Uh, he's got the funny release, but he can bang him home. So that's just going to be a different matchup there for AD where you're not going to really be able to just straight up leave him. So that's definitely something to watch. And, yeah, people are salivating at this matchup between uh, Jokic and this guy. It's, I can't wait for this one see the, the chess match here. Yeah, the best player on both teams – isn't always at the same position. So it's pretty cool that they're actually going to be going head-to-head in this one, especially when you consider Jokic easily the best offensive player uh, at his position, and Davis has been the best defensive player at his position. Back in 2020 in the Western Conference Finals, Anthony Davis went for 31-6 and and 2.5 assists. So not a lot of rebounds. He also only had three blocks in those five games, which tells you that he's away from the rim. That would be yep. what the Nuggets are definitely going to try and do with that pick and roll with Murray and Jokic, force AD away from the hoop, force LA into rotations, make LeBron have to be a rim protector. He was really good defending the rim uh, against the Warriors, but it's going to be awesome to see the speed of Davis versus kind of the power and, and brute force of Jokic against each other. And that really feeds into the, like, the whole math question of things because the Nuggets are a great three-point team. The Lakers are a great free throw team. We'll see how that actually plays out. Uh, But for me, one thing to watch in this series, sounds stupid, game one. But this is a huge game one. The Lakers have won both game one so far, which has let them play from ahead in the series the entire time, despite coming out of the play-in as a seven seed. You mentioned both teams haven't lost on their home court. Denver has an incredible home court advantage. Um, But this is a big level up in competition for both sides. The Nuggets haven't seen anybody like Anthony Davis yet, where... The Lakers haven't seen anybody like Jokic yet. So I think game one is going to tell us a whole bunch. And if L.A. is able to steal another one, that puts them in a great position to pull the upset in this series. Yeah, they don't have the rest advantage like they did last round against the Golden State Warriors. Uh, The the Nuggets have the rest advantage in this one. I I do think LeBron's going to – 
he, he's he's going to be able to roam a little bit about off Aaron Gordon, but that could hurt him because Aaron Gordon is going to be flying around. I don't think he can really help on Jokic, but I wonder if Jared Vanderbilt plays a big part in this series because he's that guy who's chasing around Steph, but he can also he can bang uh, and he can get after Jokic. Mm-hmm. So I think they may even take turns a little bit just to get AD off uh, of Jokic. I mean, a few years ago, it was a totally different series where Jokic was uh, going up against JaVale McGee and Dwight Howard. Those guys were starting, and AD was playing the four. Uh, I think Vanderbilt's just got to come help. I mean, this is... I said it stupidly. I wondered if Looney was going to be able to wear uh, Anthony Davis down last series. Davis held up, um, and I think... To hold up against Jokic, he's going to need some help. So mm-hmm. Vanderbilt's going to be big. I wonder if they go back to starting him because he was off the floor uh, for Schroeder when they went small. But this is great because it's just big versus big. This is strength versus strength uh, as opposed to the Warriors, which was, you know, bigs versus small. The other thing to watch for me is which team can do the better job of, like, stopping guard penetration because, you know, we could be in, in store here for a huge Jamal Murray series. Um you know, maybe there's some Vanderbilt on him. Shooter's done a, a pretty good di- job or did in the last series versus Curry. But, like, getting in there, especially if you think AD is removed a little bit because of how they operate through Jokic up top and the dribble handoffs and all that. You know, I think Murray can live in the paint here. I think he can get in there. Can he finish? And then if, if he can't, can he kick out to these shooters? And you said the three-point shooting, like, look, the Warriors... Obviously, we've always considered an elite three-point shooting team. They went ice cold, their two Splash Brothers, over the last couple of games. But KCP's been shooting it well. Bruce Brown, Michael Porter Jr., 40% still three-point shooting. Aaron Gordon sort of has his moments. Uh, he sort of Wiggins-like to me, where it's like, oh, suddenly he can bang in three, four, five. Sometimes he goes cold, but there's that. And on the flip side, the Lakers have a bunch of guys that can get in there. They can create. I mean, you, you of course, start with LeBron James, but Austin Reeves attacks... Russell can do that. Schroeder can do that. So who can do the best job at, like, at least trying to stay in front of these great perimeter players and keep them out of touching the paint that either then can kick out to uh, three-point shooters or even finish inside? That's going to be a fun little little watch there for me. What about an X-Factor, TK? Who you got circled? Compost crew versus guys being dudes. Mm-hmm. The Nuggets, they've got a really steady bench. They played incredibly well at home. We saw a big Bruce Brown game, 25 points. But in general, it feels like the Nuggets bench plays their roles they blend really well with the starting lineup they can turn into a really fast team when Aaron Gordon becomes the backup center but in general you're just hoping to get good production from the Nuggets athleticism turnover forcing whereas with the Lakers they've got random dudes who just come in and win games Mm -hmm. we've seen Reeves win a game we've seen Rui Hachimura win a game we saw Lonnie Walker get dusted off and win a game maybe Malik Beasley has a revenge game (laughs) against the Denver Nuggets but we've seen literal random dudes win games for the Lakers this postseason I think that can be an advantage for LA LA just because the names on the Nuggets aren't necessarily going to go out it's more of a surprise when you get 25 from Bruce Brown than it is when you get it from Rui Hachimura for whatever reason but it seems to have been home-based so the team that is at home (laughs) has their role guys play well and on the road they haven't been there if we can see a random huge game from either bench on the road that can swing one game which could be the series it is big. I, I can't wait to see if D'Angelo Russell isn't working, what Darwin does, because yeah, he's he's pushed every single correct button. Dennis Schroeder went to the starting lineup. It worked. Uh, yeah, up and down the roster with those Lakers. They they do have more options, I, I suppose, than the Nuggets, who are just rolling out three guys off the bench. But, yeah, it has to happen on the road. That's a good point. I mean, it, it is sounding simple when you say game one is important. But it's damn important. It, it, it always plays a huge factor in who wins the series. And uh, the Nuggets just have not been soft any quarter at home. I mean, they just haven't let anybody in the games, mm-hmm. really. So they, it's going to be tough uh, for the Lakers to steal one. I uh, if we see Michael Be- uh, um, Beasley, excuse me, in this series, would be wild of him. Like I almost want to see it now. He played like twenty minutes in the last series in, in six games like he had one game where he saw the floor and it was a blowout I don't really think he can play in this series probably he not. doesn't pay attention on defense right right and you, you they ma- cut a lot in Denver yeah maybe he matches a KCP but you're right like if they're cutting all over the place burn uh, but he'll try and I, I think he could I think he could try and match KCP's threes and, and see what happens uh, but KCP is a huge X factor I mean my X factor is the nugget that doesn't shoot threes. They all shoot threes, whether it's Porter or KCP or Jamal Murray. Uh, but Aaron Gordon, I think, could be monstrous in this series because LeBron is going to want to roam. He's going to want to help on Jokic. 
And so if Aaron Gordon can make him pay by cutting all over the place, offensive rebounding, uh, which the Nuggets do uh, really, really well, and obviously he has to D up uh, LeBron, who is looking his best throughout the postseason. I, I know we have such high expectations of LeBron that we think oh, he's, he's been okay in meeting his expectations, but he is playing his best right now. Uh, so uh, 30 points coming off that game there. AG's a pretty good matchup for him, though. He's going to body him pretty, pretty well. And I think, you know, a lot of the times in the NBA, we were like, oh, this is a good matchup for him. But what ends up happening is multiple guys guard multiple guys. In this instance, I don't think there's going to be much switching. There's no way Braun can come and cover Jokic. It's just not going to be a lot of that. Vanderbilt can help. But I think we're going to see a lot of AG versus LeBron. And, and that's, a, that's a very good matchup, I think, for the Nuggets. If he can concentrate on that and he can just... Use his energy levels to try and cut around Bron as much as possible. He can score a lot. What did you think of LeBron's comments after the Warriors series? Because we kept talking about like just reserving his energies, picking his spots. You know, like he knows like when he's got to turn it on when he does it. And he was like, "No, not really. Like I've been gassed after every mm-hmm. single game. Uh, you know, this is what he told us. So it's like, no, this is me at this age in your twenty. Uh, I'm not really picking my spots as much as maybe just my physical capabilities uh, as I get older and older. Do you buy it? Yeah, or no? I do. Yeah. I don't think. I mean, Tess says he's playing the best he has. I guess he did have a thirty-point game in the playoffs, but LeBron was a lot better earlier this season before he had a foot injury, and he looks like right. he's playing forty minutes a night after coming back early from a foot injury while being thirty-eight years old, and also having a lot of players on the team who can handle having the ball for five minutes at a time so LeBron doesn't have to do anything. The question will be, when does he put his stamp on these games and which game is a throwback LeBron game? Because he saw game six and said, this is a must win. You're getting the best LeBron all night. They got the best LeBron and they smoked the Warriors. So he's still got it deep in the bag, but he knows and he probably can't summon it quite as often, but he can do it for five minutes at a time and that can flip the game. Prediction. Where are you going, man? I don't know how the Lakers stopped this offense. I guess I said the same thing last round. Uh, with the Warriors' offense uh, against the Lakers, they managed to do that. But they had a size advantage that they don't have in this series. Uh, so Anthony Davis has to be huge. He has to outplay Jokic. I don't see that happening. I got the Nuggets in six. TK? My first prediction is that Christian Brown and LeBron go head-to-head against each other and have some sort of, like, Christian Brown trying to rile up LeBron and getting a flagrant or a technical. Okay. Seems Christian to be an, Brown. Yeah, wow. that, guy's, okay. uh, that guy's an irritant. Sure. Uh, yeah. And I think he'll get some time on LeBron, just the way he, same way he did against Kevin Durant, and just, like, get up in him and yeah. be a 19-year-old against him, right. <laughs> pretty much. You know, like, <laughs> annoy this guy as much as possible, and that'll probably wear on things as the series goes on. So look out for that. I'll be happy if that one comes true. <laughs> I said I was going to believe in the Lakers if they won in round two, and I felt the same way as you did. How do, how do, how do the Lakers stop the Golden State Warriors? Sometimes you just miss shots. That happened to the Warriors. Like, Steph Curry shot pretty poorly the last three games of that series. Klay Thompson never got on track. A lot of that was the Lakers being willing to give those guys shots, running them off the three-point line, that kind of stuff. I don't know. Weird things have happened. Give me the stupid Lakers in seven. Oh, there I'm it in. is. I'm in. I'm in. Fair <laughs> enough. Hey, look. LeBron's lost one conference finals in his career I believe right lost in 09 yep. uh, when he was with the Cavs to the Magic that's it he's 10 and 1 in conference finals uh, that's something you really can't I mean you can't go right with any prediction you make here because you're going to piss off oh totally either fan base you either say oh, I like the Lakers man you got LeBron you got AD and the Nuggets go what we were the best team in the regular season. We have the guy that maybe should have won three MVPs in a row, playing even at a higher level. Jamal Murray, back to like Bubba Murray. Everybody contributing. It's like the disrespect, it's, it's, it's real. So you do that, and then if you pick the other side, you say the Nuggets, home court advantage, all the reasons I just went through. People say, what are you talking about? You can bet against LeBron James again, just like you did against the Warrior. I get it. I get it. Um, but I'm going to go the flip of what TK said, and I think uh, home court advantage will matter. I think the, the, the longer a series go, it might actually favor uh, the Denver Nuggets a little bit. I'll go Nuggets in seven. But this one's fun because I've seen people going, no, Nuggets are going to wax them. Obviously, people picking the Lakers. This one's all over the map. What do you guys think? Where are you going? How many games? Tass says Nuggets in six. I'll go Nuggets in seven. And TK... He believes in those Lakers. He's going Lakers and seven. You think it's good? What do you think it's going to be a hell of a series? Oh, absolutely! Here? This yeah. should be a banger. Yeah. Absolute banger. I think it will be really fun 
if, like you said, game one, maybe even game two, whatever one, can the Lakers do what no team's done yet and, and go go into to Denver and take away the home court advantage right away, like early in this series? Because they have just been lights out. Like, they destroyed Phoenix and Denver. Yeah. <laughs> destroyed them there. Yeah. Uh, in a series that, you know, goes six, but they were in those games in Phoenix, but just killed them when they were at home. So uh, gets underway on Tuesday night again. Let's hear from everybody out there, though, when it comes to your predictions for the Nuggets and Lakers in the Western Conference Finals. All right. The NBA does not mess around, guys. In the aftermath of a blowout elimination loss in the Western Conference semis, the Suns fired head coach Monty Williams on Saturday night. According to Woj, new Suns owner Matt Ishbia made the decision to dismiss Monty immediately after (laughs) Thursday night's Game 6 loss to Denver. Um, How shocked were you by this, Tess? that the Suns and Ishbia, new owner syndrome here maybe, uh, have fired Monty Williams? Well, I guess that they didn't deliberate at all. Uh, that's that's surprising. Uh, he was at every game Ishbia was, sitting with his man Isaiah Thomas. Uh, he, he is very much into the games. He's not a hands-off owner, obviously. Right. Two huge decisions <laughs> uh, within four months to, to go get Durant. Uh, and now three months, I guess, to end then to, to fire Monty Williams. He was almost going to be an assistant coach after his uh, college career, so I guess he likes the the aspect of coaching, and I'm sure the people who he was with, you know, Isaiah uh, being the, the main one. Isaiah's uh, little finger. Yeah, Peter give, Baelish. Yeah. whispering in Ishbia's ear. Yeah, what's going on? Yeah, we will see what uh, role Isaiah plays. Going forward here, but he definitely thought uh, Monty, he thought that Monty wasn't doing a, a, a good enough job. He's obvious. Monty was obviously shorthanded with his roster. Uh, I think there's no doubt about that. The the fact that Aiton and Chris Paul were out uh, to end this series, and I mean that's where my mind goes. The roster has to get better if they're going to win. And so we've seen change after change after change. Durant, Monty Williams, and now the Chris Paul factor is the biggest one, even before DeAndre Aiton, because. There's a deadline here. Chris Paul is scheduled to make $30 million next year, but only half of it's guaranteed. So in a month, it's, what, June 28th, he can say, nah, we're going to move on from Chris Paul. I think that's a possibility where you only have to pay him 15 of his 30 mil, and uh, the, the, the rest of it isn't even guaranteed. The following year, there's $0 guaranteed, so it would just be eating 15 mil. So that is the biggest decision and I think the roster is a little bit more of a factor than Monty Williams coaching uh, but I think you can you know poke holes in Monty Williams didn't have a good relationship with DeAndre Ayton never talked to him after last year's debacle of a, a series so there's holes to be poked but uh, I think <laughs> I think the biggest thing is the roster right now do you, do you think Ishbia has a head coach lined up here hence why Monty Williams was fired immediately after losing you think it's Isaiah Thomas uh, no, I don't. But I think it's—I don't know if it's Tom Izzo and the Michigan ties there, or if it's another one of these like notable head coaches that have won a championship. It feels to me maybe it's just Matt Ishbia just being yeah impatient and just like, all right, well I don't want him to be our head coach anymore. <laughs> I got a feeling he's got somebody like coming in here. Like we're gonna find out soon. That's what my gut says. But what do you think? The getting's good. There's a lot of known coaches out there, and a lot of coaches who maybe have pre-existing relationships with some of these players. Um, but I wonder who's going to be hiring the coach because this came out basically saying this was 100% a mad it should be a call. James Jones, not involved at all. So I don't know what James Jones is doing there anymore because they traded all their picks. Guy doesn't like drafting anyways. Matt Ishby is making the calls on the coach. Who's hiring the coach? Mm. Who's actually in charge? Is it Isaiah Thomas? Trading a lot of first round picks for an old veteran and then firing your coach? Those are Isaiah <laughs> Thomas moves, but this cannot be exp- surprising. The Suns blew a 2-0 lead in the finals to lose in 2021. They got smoked by the Mavs at home in 2022, and then they got smoked again yeah. uh, in 2023. Three straight bad endings like that, plus a new owner. You're going to get canned. Yeah, despite a lot of success, especially when you compare to what was going on in Phoenix before Monty Williams showed up. Uh, he had a 63% win percentage in the regular season. He was 27-19 in the playoffs. Money was in Phoenix. They won a record 64 games, franchise record 64 games in 21-22. They reached the finals, like TK said, in 21, uh, but just flamed out, uh, unfortunately for him, over these, uh, especially these last two years there in historic fashion. He had three years and $20 million left on his contract here. That's what's being reported, too. So Ishbia does not care, which also makes me believe he's got somebody lined up. But is it a Frank Vogel? Is it a Nick Nurse? Is it a Budenholzer? Is it 
Ty Lue, there are whispers that he may not be long for the Clippers head coaching job and I mean his contract's not expiring but it, who was that, that L- little finger out. whispering again yeah. Uh, uh, yeah yeah we'll see I thought this was a great uh, great line here from Doug Holler of The Athletic about uh, Ishbia and his outlook on, on the business world he said quote Ishbia is an aggressive leader in his book running the corporate offense lessons in effective leadership <laughs> from the bench to the boardroom he writes that he's a big believer in trial by error that is quote make a decision and go for it Make necessary changes along the way. The first sentence applies to the Durant shade. Make a decision and go for it. Yep. This, and then uh, the second one applies to Williams' dismissal. Make necessary changes along the way. He's making moves. Uh, so it's got to be a, a big-name coach, right, That that's drawn out a lot of inspiring performances I from his players. He's a walk-on. You know, he he wants he wants somebody that inspires great performances. You don't think this like screams an assistant moving up, either in Phoenix or uh, a first name head coach. You know, it's never done the actual I, no. head coaching job. He just let Monty go for twenty mil, as you said. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's ready to spend. Probably. He's ready to spend that mortgage money. The uh, mortgage business is good. <laughs> we have uh, yeah, it is. We have four. <laughs> yeah, no wonder he's loaded. <laughs> we have four vacant. NBA head coaching positions right now. The Pistons, the Bucks, the Suns, and the Raptors. TK, how would you rank these if you were a hot young coach? Which you might be, Trey, for all I know. <laughs> I would never coach. Oh, okay, good. Um, but how would you rank them in terms of like, oh, wow, this is a, this is the best of these four uh, vacancies here. I would do? go Bucks, Suns, Raptors, Pistons. Okay. The Bucks have one of the three best players in the league in the middle of his prime. Giannis Antetokounmpo. Yep. That's pretty good. The Phoenix Suns have Devin Booker, one of the best young players in the league, in his prime. And they also have Kevin Durant, and then they have a whole bunch of question marks after that, but you get to live in Phoenix. Don't pay taxes. That's pretty nice. The Toronto Raptors, what do they have? They have eight of the same player. They have Toronto. They do have Toronto, a great city. But, unfortunately, the NBA season runs through winter. Which is a problem for many coaches. <laughs> so you gotta be you gotta be built for it to live in Toronto, and then Detroit, you're getting an assistant. Okay. Yeah, I mean it's looking that way. Yeah. I guess in Detroit, I thought you maybe would put Detroit ahead of Toronto, but maybe you'll wait until tomorrow at like eight twenty p.m. Eastern if the Pistons were to win the number fair, one pick. Fair, fair, fair. Yeah. And were to grab a Wemby, I guess the Raptors technically could too, but uh, chance is much more slim. One yeah. percent chance. I yeah, think. I think it's one percent. I think you're right, my man. Wow. Yeah, it's one percent. The Raps have it getting Wemby, but the Pistons have 14% along with the Rockets and Spurs. How, would you agree with his yeah. ranking? I think what we're getting at is, is it Bucks or Suns? Yeah. If you're one of these. You're not putting the Raptors below the Pistons. <laughs> uh, yeah, one, one, two, three, four is fine. Uh, the reason that uh, Trey gave as uh, the Bucks being in the one spot was the exact same thing Mike Boonholzer thought in 2018 when he picked the Bucks right. over the Raptors. Yeah, I said to Kumpo's there. I'm going there, and I'm not going to Toronto. He had the option to go to both. And uh, Nick Nurse got that other job, and yeah, it's a very similar uh, ranking. You also brought up, uh, is James Jones maybe going to be a GM of this team for much longer? What about uh, some whispers of Bob Myers Big coming to Bob. Phoenix? Interesting. If he were to leave the Golden State Warriors. Damn. He's gonna- probably, at the very least, he's excited that there's a possibility, I would imagine, for negotiating. Uh, it's good to have another landing spot, especially one where you've got a relationship with uh, Kevin Durant. I don't know exactly how it ended. Uh, I don't know that Katie's last season in Golden State was anybody's favorite thing. But uh, right, right. Eh, maybe. Maybe something. Man, it is crazy that two of these vacant head coaching positions, <laughs> these teams were in the finals two years ago. In Nick Nurse in Milwaukee and obviously Monty Williams in, in Phoenix. It's crazy. I just like this just moves qu- it moves quick, man. Just it goes to show you there's a lot of middle of the road coaches out there. Yeah. Um and a lot of coaches win one title. The greats win more. The best coaches of the past twenty years have been guys who didn't have any head coaching experience before they got to the NBA. Eric Spolstra and Steve Kerr. When their teams didn't win titles, they didn't move on from them, they kept them there, and those teams have cultures. Yeah. yeah. So maybe you should keep your coaches that win titles. Well, Just something I think. Hmm. I don't know. I mean, we'll see if the Raptors and Bucks I also kind of it. actually think there's only one good coach in the NBA, and he coaches in Miami. Wow, wow, wow. Let's, let's uh, hear from everybody out there when it comes to those four vacant spots, how you rank in them. Uh, all right. 
I put in my notes here, Jack, uh, John Morant back on his bullshit. <laughs> so John Morant was suspended by the Grizzlies on Sunday after he appeared to be holding a gun in another social media video that was streamed live on Instagram. It's the second time in less than three months that uh, Jaw was seen on IG holding what appeared to be a weapon. I mean, it's a weapon. <laughs> it's either a fake gun or it's a real gun. <laughs> so it's a gun. You see him for a second there. The first one, it led to an eight-game NBA suspension. Uh, cost him a lot of money, if we're being honest. Like, if you believe that was a big part, him missing games at the end of the year, and just sort of the black mark on the Grizzlies franchise, it cost him like $39 million because he didn't make all NBA. It's wild. And it also cost him like $700,000 in, in uh, suspension money. Um, but yeah, I don't know what you uh, have to say about this. Um, what do you think the league does here? The Grizzlies have suspended him. Where do they go here from here? Yeah, as far as the money goes, I mean, that could just be the uh, tip of the iceberg in, in terms of yeah. his relationship with Nike. Uh, kudos to the Grizzlies, at, at least this time, coming out and suspending him indefinitely right away. Last year, it was a bit of uh, kids' gloves that they, they sort of handled it gently, and the NBA stepped in. This time, being the second incident, and Ja flashing that thing casually in a car, and the Instagram live feed not even ending immediately was, was surprising to me after watching it, thinking he must realize what he's doing is wrong. He must be turning off that his friend's camera. That didn't happen. Uh, they just kept going on for a bit. So that, that was shocking to me. He said in the first incident that his that the, cl- the, the gun wasn't his. Mm-hmm. And in this incident, maybe it's not his either but he's still hanging with uh the same people who have those guns and to to give him some sort of benefit of the doubt he could have mental health issues and and sometimes when you have these issues you can't make a rational decision even if you know the side effects um but the fact is he's hanging with people that have those guns he's flashing it casually he didn't learn right uh, from well, from the first good. incident and yeah, it was unfortunately that the whole redemption angle with everybody wearing the sweaters to the game when John Morant came back and everything that he learned, he said he wasn't fixed. I mean, he hasn't been fixing himself uh, enough. He's still hanging with the people that are able to get him uh, into these scenarios. And I'm glad the NBA has a, a no tolerance policy and there's going to be a long suspension. You think so? Because uh, of be. despite the supposed counseling that John Morant went through the first time, despite the remorse. Here he is doing it three months later. Again on IG. Now what does the league do? How severe? More severe than eight games, I would have to imagine. Um, I think Gilbert Arenas got suspended for 50 or something like that, but once again, as we talked about way back when, a little bit different situation. But you're right, Tess. I mean, this was on his friend's Instagram. That, to me, is like one of the biggest red flags where you're like, come on, man. <laughs> like, you're hanging out with the same people and they're putting you out there and it's not going well for you. So he obviously didn't learn the first time around. And there's just going to have to be more consequences if Jaws going to learn this time around, which maybe he does or maybe this jeopardizes what's going on with the Grizzlies in general. Yeah. We'll see. I, I know Foolish there are some stuff, people though. like, oh, how could the Grizzlies, like, what, what do they have to possibly stand on to suspend them? Or the league, I guess. It's... <laughs> He works for the NBA. He works for the Grizzlies. They'll just say conduct detrimental to, the, right. to the league or team. Done. That's what they'll say. Um, so, yeah. Let, I mean, I don't know. If you guys have an opinion out there in the stream team right now listening later, what the NBA should do or the Grizzlies, how many games are you thinking? Uh, and, and now what happens? Yeah, there was like something like 111 people on this live stream for Devontae Pack when he did it. 111 <laughs> and I guess the only thing I can think of, not that it makes it right, I mean, is that maybe he didn't know he was live, that John Moran didn't know that his buddy Devontae Pack was live on his cram. That he's, just, you know, filming as they're rapping along and all that. <laughs> I guess. I guess. Yeah. But it's like wild, man. It John, John really Morant wild. is not Paul Pierce. I mean, he knows the ins and outs of Instagram Live. But he was flaunting this gun. He wasn't at the beginning of the video. No. It was. Uh, you see the gun for a second. You see the gun for a second. Yeah, yeah but I mean, his, he his buddy it. Pack 
once he shows the gun, drops basically the camera. I mean, the camera like yeah, but then it keeps starting. But then the video oh, yeah, keeps yeah, yeah, keeps yeah, yeah. going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so it wasn't like he was flaunting it at the beginning. He pulls it out, or a friend gives it to him, or whatever. Um, you know, these are all details. Nothing makes it right. Uh, I'm just shocked that it that it happened again. Frankly, that's that's the biggest thing. And yeah, I'm glad the NBA does have a. a a no tolerance policy. Gilbert was different. Yeah, but we remember that Gilbert was on the court and sort of mocking the NBA because he was doing the whole handgun gesture when he was in the the huddles, and that's what he was doing pregame. So it's it's different. But I mean, this is back to back times on camera. Yeah. So you say, yeah, this is. Would you say eleven people? 111 viewers so what is he doing when the IG is off uh, that's, well that's, that's the, the thing Ja is probably not the only guy in the no. NBA who has a gun no he's the only guy who shows up on Instagram live with him though yeah. mm-hmm. you know yeah okay. I mean yeah I'll be fascinated you said like the, the Gilbert thing that was like Stern looked at that as like he is mocking this entire situation exactly and yeah. boom hits him with a huge suspension you know Stern <laughs> That's how he operated, right? I mean, he's sort of like almost like a mafia type boss or whatever. Silver has not shown to be like that. Obviously, much more a, um, a players commissioner. But this is is sim- it, it is like he went and talked to him. You have to assume the conversation between Silver and John Moran is like, all right, man, lesson learned here. You know, no more of this. You're a role model for this league, or obviously a franchise. Like, you know, that's I'm like I'm guessing that's what went down. Yes, yes, remorse, yes, and then to do it not much longer later. Basically the exact same thing. Yeah, he, I mean, he should he should be penalized by either the Grizzlies or the league. And, and they usually want the league to do it, so then it's not as awkward as the Grizzlies saying, we're suspending you, but maybe they will. Crazy, crazy that this goes down some three months later. Let's hear from you guys out there, though, your thoughts on this John Morant incident uh, happening once again. Got to take a final break. When we come back, tweet of the night. Don't go anywhere. Spring is the best time to add new challenges to your training just in time for those warm summer days. Pool season's coming soon, so I've been hitting the weights with Peloton and my guy Adrian Williams, trying to get my muscle on in order to expand my cannonball splash radius. Peloton's varying class lengths were designed with your training plan in mind. It's easy to personalize your workout. Whether you'd like to add a 10-minute core session at the end of your strength class or take a 60-minute power zone ride to increase your endurance, Peloton classes are designed to help focus on your needs and goals. There are a variety of classes like boot camps, boxing, full body strength, or marathon training, all created to grow your skills or push you to improve in what you already excel in. And their expert coaches and nonstop vibes will push you to new levels of strength and endurance, keeping you on your toes while giving you the professional coaching you need. Shout out to Adriana Aditi, Andy and Emma. I love you all so much. Whether you prefer to run outdoors, row or ride at home, or strength train at the gym, Peloton has everything you need to get you where you're going. Get your head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. All right, here in the Classic Factory still, let's get to Tweet of the Night. Mmm, Tweet of the Night. Wow. Twitter. Twitter. 
All right, Tweet of the Night goes to our guy, Stephen underscore LeBron, Alex Wong, who was retweeting with a funny comment, pointing out something that the Sixers had up on their Twitter account. So Stephen LeBron, Alex, tweeted, It's 7.49 p.m., and this is the last tweet from the Sixers account. I love the social media era of sports. <laughs> so the tweet that Alex was sharing was... This Sixers tweet here on the right side of our screen, graphic of P.J. Tucker with the score on it. It was tight at the half. Celtics up three, 55-52. And the caption just says at the half, you know? <laughs> and, you know, a little shout out there to uh, Crypto.com or whatever. Mm-hmm. They haven't tweeted since. <laughs> I checked later last night when this tweet made me laugh. I checked this morning as soon as I got up, and I just checked right now. The Philadelphia 76ers Twitter account has not tweeted. If you're following this game, and for some reason you don't have TV or any other internet, and you can only get the Sixers Twitter account to work, you still think it's halftime. You don't know what's happened. What is going on here? Now, I have seen some people say there was a tweet about Tobias Harris that got deleted. I don't know. I couldn't. I, I don't know if that's true. But this, as of this morning here, 11 o'clock on Monday morning, is still the last thing they've tweeted. It's very weird. (laughs) Did nothing good happen in, like, the first three minutes of the third quarter for the 76ers that they could have snuck in, like, a little, ooh, sick bounce pass by Maxie to Harris or something like that. It got away from them in a hurry, from what I remember. Well, I guess Tobias Harris... Yeah, maybe the shot. Harris thing. Yeah, oh, there is that you go. what happened? Yeah, yeah. That's what Tobias you... gets us started in the second half. <laughs> that's that's what. I, yeah, that's apparently <laughs> that's what, what it said, was. Yeah. That's what makes it even funnier. Yeah, apparently it said start us off, Tobias. <laughs> that's he, what it said. Yeah, he he they collapsed on him beat if I'm right, and he whipped a shot or whipped a pass to Tobias who hit a wide open three. Things were looking right there to start the half, but why did they delete? So that? did the did the Sixers, you know, social media manager just straight up quit? <laughs> like the, the Celtics started going on a run, and they're like, "Fuck this! I'm not doing this again. I'm out of here." Just probably and left. That, I mean, I can't imagine that being the 76ers social media manager is a fun place to be after any loss. No, uh, I imagine no. Game Six was probably a rough one. So game seven had to be even worse. And you're right, Tobias Harris did hit a three-pointer literally right at the start of the third quarter. And then the sec- the Sixers score or the Celtics scored the next four baskets, and it was a 10-point game within three minutes. Right. And that's probably when they're like, uh-oh. But I actually think this is pretty smart. Like, you don't need to tweet, we lost, and it was a disappointing end to our season. Just let people notice that it was your last post. Whenever they post again, it will be fine. But obviously they owe crypto.com a couple of sponsored <laughs> score posts right, here right. Uh, coming up so maybe we'll get an update a little bit later today just checking in on the final score it's, it's just weird really it's like, it's like I'm almost concerned like maybe maybe this person's got it got all the passwords too like Maury can't even get in there and say we'll get them next year you know <laughs> nothing I don't know I want this here's what they need to lean into this this is the tweet that stays up all summer long forever Forever. <laughs> Until they win. Until they go to the conference finals. Start a new Twitter handle. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, great stuff there from uh, Stephen underscore LeBron pointing it out. Many I like this from Ian. Was that the first firing from the Sixers organization? Uh. <laughs> <laughs> They're holding the social media manager accountable before the players and coaches. It was that guy's fault. Possible. Uh, I mean, that person is Twitter blue. That's for sure. Uh, I don't mind that, uh, that there wasn't a tweet. The, the more depressing Guys, tweet. guys, guys. It's Hold on. Hold on. This is game seven of a playoff series. It's a basically a tie game. Yeah. What are you yeah, talking about? You don't mind they tweeted. Every team does this. They follow along the game. Even at the end of the third quarter when they just got crushed, it's like, hey, one more cue to get back in. you got to say something. It's no, the, you don't. No, you yeah. don't. Why? You just, you're just putting it out there to get dunked on. Well, well, I'm it's, sure this one. It's the lamest. It's, it is getting dunked on. Yeah. Well, now it is even more because people are like, where is it? So what? You want another 10 tweets of the same thing? You fools. You let us down. Yeah. It ain't the social media manager's fault. <laughs> Everybody saw the game. They know. Mm-hmm. It's it's the, the most basic of tweets that happened, like you just said, at the end of the third quarter, at the end of the game. Yeah, we lost by 40 points. Here's the score. <laughs> we all know the people are watching the game. They're not watching Twitter.com. 
Yeah, it's a sad one. You guys are I basically like saying the equivalent of when we shit on players after they lose and they don't talk to the media. This is the same thing to me. It's like, come on, man. Oh, yes, you guys got killed. Same thing. You got to thank the fans. <laughs> got to say great season. We'll get them next year. You got to build some confidence with your, with your fan base. You got to show up, Twitter social media manager. Just, you got to show up. You got to interview amazing. after the game. After you shower and you clean off your mouse, you get to your Twitter, to your computer, and, and you tweet. You tweet something. Hmm. I mean, who cares? I think we're going to find out what happened here. What, so this is weird. It's just weird. It's, it's weird that they're like you guys said, these even early in the third quarter tweets are not nowhere to be found until they were down 20. They were winning game seven on the road for a, for a little bit in the second half. <laughs> <laughs> we got to know if the, if the manager is a Sixers fan or not. You don't have to be a fan of your team to run the social media right. accounts. But this reads like I'm a fan of the team, yeah. <laughs> and it's not going well. It was I'm bad. I'm locking off. Gonna, there's going to be a story on the athletic about this. I mean, you wait and see. I mean, I think the best description for this game was gutless uh, from the 76ers. It's pretty on point, mm. I think. And uh, I think, yeah, the guts were taken out of the social media manager. Couldn't tweet. I respect it. I respect it. Just walk away from the computer. <laughs> I mean, if that's what happened, yes, absolutely. That's great. Uh, very, very funny stuff. All right. Let's call it there, guys. Uh, was it a classic? You tell us. Subscribe. Like the video if you're watching on YouTube right now. Podcast listeners, leave your boys a five-star rating and review. Uh, we will be back here tomorrow uh, to preview the Celtics Heat Eastern Conference Finals, get into any of the other news. Maybe we learn Doc gets fired. Maybe we have a, an NBA coaching hired. Who knows? But we'll be here at 10 a.m. Eastern tomorrow morning. Thanks for joining us now. Clipper Bros. You heard it here first. Have a great time. Turn up. Love you guys. Awesome. Thank you for joining us. And remember, Sixers lost. I, I just can't get over it. I just can't get over it. It's still so surprising. So surprising it went down like that. <laughs> Gutless. Brace the day, people. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic.